there any questions? To what? That little video? Uh, we've been working on these for about three years now. Uh, Mark helped me with the, the equipment. And uh, uh, some of these that started out were uh, pretty rusticated, so I, uh, I redid some of them. Uh, most of them you don't have to look at my face, so don't worry about that. It won't frighten you into, uh, into shock. Yeah, yeah. People, they get tired of looking at this. Okay, we are closing, getting to the end of our study of the life of the Apostle Paul, which, by the way, you can find uh, a study like that, a 30-day study on the life of the Apostle Paul. And these are, typically, they're only like 10 or 11 minutes long. So if you, uh, uh, and they're most, most of the videos there are in devotional style. Because how many of you like to listen to somebody talk on and on for like an hour? <laughs> Could you speak up there? I don't think that microphone caught it. Uh, uh, but people are, people don't have a lot of time, but they, uh, when things are put in a, in a shorter version, uh, people can, some of these are as short as, as five minutes, uh, others are 10 to 12 minutes. So they're not over what's your appetite for it. We are in the life of the Apostle Paul, and uh, we've, we're ending up with Paul, uh, coming to the end of Paul's journey to Rome. We don't know exactly how long it took for Paul once he left uh, Caesarea and the time that he strolled through the, the gates of Rome. We don't know exactly how long it was, uh, but it was several months. Uh, he spent, they spent the winter there, uh, so, so it was a, uh, a long journey, and it would be a long journey to begin with. I think if, uh, how many of you have taken the cruise from the West Coast to Hawaii? Not the cruise. Well, if you fly from the West Coast to Hawaii, how long does it take, Diane? How long? Six hours? Yeah. Paul would have loved that. Uh, and that's, uh, to travel from, uh, from Caesarea over to Rome is, is several hundred miles. Uh, the, the exact uh, number of miles escapes me, but it, it was quite a journey. Uh, and I think it's, it's about a week to go from the West Coast if you're traveling by boat to Hawaii. And Hawaii is, how far is it from the West Coast to Hawaii? 3,000 miles. 3, miles. Have you ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. I knew that. I knew that. Did you travel by boat to get to Hawaii? You always flew. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we look at how, how convenient it is to travel these days. We travel. The troop carrier, I imagine, was first class. Uh, I, I recall that many people have told me over the years who took troop carriers to go from either the East Coast over to Europe or from the West Coast to Korea said for the rest of their life they never had a desire to go on a cruise again. Is that, Jerry, is that true? Well, uh, I enjoyed my cruises. I had next, all except for when we got to Vietnam, that wasn't mm -hmm. the top of my list. Yeah, but first class, yeah. Yeah, it was, food was great. I mean, the scenery was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Couldn't fish, so I couldn't go that. Yeah. If I could spy, if I stayed on deck, everybody got sick. 
effect of ice dams in the air, uh, fresh air. Yeah, uh, and, and some of that, it seems that no matter when people travel either from the East Coast to Europe or from the West Coast to uh, places beyond, it seems like you're always going to go through some sort of storm. And as we, we talked about last week, uh, how many of you worked on how to pronounce what they called these nor'easters in the book of Acts? Oh. Nobody practiced that? Uraquilant? Uh but it's called uh, a medic. Uh, Greg Neenhaus called a, a medicane. We call them hurricanes, but they call them medicanes over there uh, to travel in that. And so we get a, we get an idea of of what it was like as uh, we come down to Acts chapter twenty-seven. Uh, since we were violently, beginning verse 18, storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands, trying to get off as much weight as they can. Uh, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope for, of our being saved was at last abandoned. Uh, they've sort of given up on this. Since they had been without food, verse 21, for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred injury, this injury and loss. Isn't that, do you think that's, that's what they wanted to hear. Like, I'm so glad, was I the only one thinking that? <laughs> so as Paul says, Yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Now how many people do you think believe that as Paul was telling that? Remember, a lot of these were uh, no doubt prisoners. Um, For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. No, for sure they don't believe. Yeah, there. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors suspected they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty from the stern and prayed for day to come. So they hadn't thrown everything completely overboard when they'd thrown these four. Uh, what is it? How do you take a sounding? A rope and a weight. A rope and a weight? In the old days, I like watching old movies about... Uh, about sailing. Uh, the Master and Commander, one of my favorite. Uh, what's the series we watched uh, of England? Uh, I'll think. <laughs> yeah, Gilligan and I, that's it. Yes. <laughs> but in order to find out how deep something is, they would. They would tie, they would tie knots on a rope at, at specified um, lengths apart and drop that down so that they could see. And when it hit bottom, they'd say, okay, they'd bring it up and see how many knots that it was, how many knots were in the rope as it goes. So they would know exactly how. So they've gone here, uh, they go from 20 fathoms, a little farther they took and found, found it was 15. What does that tell you? And they're going from 20 to 15. It's getting shallow. It's getting shallow. You don't necessarily have to know how deep a fathom is. How, how deep is a fathom? Six feet. Six feet, okay. And so when, uh, uh, I was thinking of Jules Verne, 20,000 leagues under the sea. So you'd know how far that was. But there were these nautical terms that everyone would, uh, would have understood. So we know that by going from 20 to 15, he says, we're getting closer. Land is it's getting more shallow. And then they fear and it, well, exactly what they suspect. 
And, uh, and fearing we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for a day to come. They might not have been believers before, but uh, what was the general's name? What was his famous saying about uh, foxholes in World War II? There are, no there are no atheists in foxholes. Uh, meaning that when you are under intense fire like that, you're not an atheist. You'll, you'll pray to God. In uh, this fellow, you remember the name Jonah from the Old Testament? As they're going about, uh, they were religious too. Uh, as they, they feared they were going to, uh, they were praying to their own God. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day in which you have continued in suspense without food, having taken nothing. When was the last time we went 14 days without food? That is a, that's a long time to go without food. And why wouldn't they be eating? Why wouldn't they be serving food on deck? Well, they, yeah, they've thrown all the food overboard. Another reason? They're seasick. Anything you take down. Now, one fellow told me that when he was in the Navy, as, as a, an old-time sailor said, just keep a little bit of something in your, in your belly. I'm not going to take that to heart, but he said that worked for him. But other people have said that might work too. Has anybody found that? Just a little bit, not a big... But just fresh air work for you. There's little tricks of the trade. 14 days without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will, be, it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. How many of your versions have 276? Does anyone have a different number there? Some say just 76 uh, there. I have, a, I have a little footnote on mine that says uh, some manuscripts 76 or about 76. But uh, even if it was 76, that's still a lot of people. If it was 276, that's a whole lot of people. And when they had eaten enough, they left. And verse 39, now, when it, now it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and let them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes they tied and rudders. Then, hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they, came, they ran the vessel aground, the bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim <coughs> away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump aboard first and make for the land. <clears throat> the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship so that it was all, so, so it was all were brought safely to land. It's just that easy. Now, well, we're about to find what gonna, what's going to happen because of uh, um, the water situation here. Verse 42, the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners. Standard operating procedure. Where else do we read in the New Testament about soldiers being concerned or officials concerned if a prisoner escaped? Oh, Silas, and Paul. Silas and Paul in Acts chapter 16. The uh, Philippian jailer was going to kill himself. 
I'll reread that just in case you're right. Uh, there was a possibility they were going to escape. Remember when Jesus was crucified and the angel came and the, the earthquake, the guards appeared as though they were dead. Doesn't mean they were dead, but they were, I don't know about you, but if I saw that sight, I would, I'd be pretty scared. Uh, but then they paid them off so that they would tell a story. And that story, is, as they tell us, is still told in Jewish legends to this day. And in fact, that's the, uh, the Passover plot that is written in the 1960s. is the same thing. It's just a rehashed story about, well, he really didn't die. Tim, you had your hand up? Or who had their hand up back there? Yeah, maybe they wanted to hear how the song ended that he was singing. I don't know. Uh, but nobody escaped. We find that Peter also uh, escapes from prison. Remember, the, uh, the angel comes and you know, gives one of those in there and says, come on, let's get up. The next day when they discovered that they were missing, they killed the guards because it is life for life. If you let a guard escape, do you think that's a good deterrent? To let a prisoner escape meant that you're, it would cost you your life. So, uh, so we have that there. Yeah, it's a good deterrent. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But, and here we have a, a centurion who is, uh, uh, who is of good rapport. And we read, of, read throughout the New Testament that those who are centurions were, uh, were of good repute. They were head and shoulders as far as the, uh, um, their, their morality. But uh, remember that this centurion has been with him since the beginning. And he liked Paul so well that he allowed him to go out uh, when they would land. They would allow Paul to go out and see people, uh, which is pretty... And the fact that Paul came back uh, says something about Paul. But it says, says something about the centurion. Uh, the centurion... Um, uh, was not going to, uh, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. So they knew that if somebody escaped, that it would cost them their lives, and they weren't willing to do that uh, in this. So now they have, uh, they've landed on a place called Malta. Uh, how many of you remember? Well, I was thinking of the Maltese Falcon. Humphrey Bogart, see? Uh, is there? Send me the link on that. I might want to watch that. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. It's interesting that they say that, that no one recognized the land. Uh, how many of you have sailed or traveled up and down the east coast of the United States? Did you know that each lighthouse is designed, has a different design on the outside? Some of them are checkered. Some of them have a spiral on it. They have different designs on it. And people that are traveling... Uh, when they travel by, they recognize, they say, oh, there's the, uh, uh, there's the spiral shape, but we, we're near Nag's Head. You... Yeah, so they would, uh, they would recognize it. You knew that, didn't you, about lighthouses? If you saw it when you were, uh, a lot of people don't know that Greg used to sail on the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You... 
Well, I'm not saying you necessarily would stop and get the tour of them, but, but you, you might recognize someplace based on uh, a recognition of lighthouses. Uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was the lighthouse in Alexandria. Uh, people would have recognized it was very tall, but I digress in a little bit. But people would recognize certain places. I, you know, when I went, I remember going out in a, a canoe around Port Huron, and I was worried to death because I didn't know where I was at, and it got dark afterwards. Luckily, the guy that was with me paddling the canoe knew exactly what everything I thought, I don't know where I'm going to be, and I'm not carrying this canoe two miles, I'll tell you that. Okay, so uh, the native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Does that seem unusual? He grabs onto that. Remember from uh, Mark chapter 16, it said that uh, they would drink poison, they would be bitten by vipers, but it would have no effect on them. Uh, apparently that's the case here with Paul. But it's interesting in verse 4 that they said, No doubt this man is a murderer, though he has escaped from sea. Justice has not allowed him to live. How many of your versions have just... Yeah. Uh, many people have the idea that, that there was... That was their specific reference to, uh, to some higher power that based on the fact that uh, someone might have escaped uh, overall, uh, some people might call that what today? Starts with a K and ends with an arma. <laughs> might say karma. Karma has come around. You, sometimes you can't escape justice in this. You can't escape what's coming, what's due to you. Uh, no doubt this man is a murderer. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune came, come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Isn't that just the way that things are? Well, he must be a god because he was bitten, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't suffer any effect. Uh, something that Paul was not unfamiliar with because, remember, his first missionary journey, he and Barnabas... We're in town, and uh, when they uh, performed the miracles, they decided that they were uh, Zeus and Hermes. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. Fever and dysentery. Anybody here ever had dysentery? And without getting real specific, because I don't like to hear a lot of medical terms and pain and such, but how did you get dysentery? Yeah, usually it's, it's something. And you had mentioned about... We're not going to get any more specific, <laughs> but yes, uh, it's, yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> my, my bad, but uh, you had mentioned about they have been without food, and remember, fresh water, you can't drink the seawater, why can't you drink seawater? Because of the salt, yeah, the salt content, 
and whatever. Remember, this, the storm has turned up, and it would have been unusual for someone on land to have dysentery because if it has been raining, if a storm has been going about, what is one of the major problems when a hurricane comes through and strikes land? The pollution of the water. They can't get fresh water. That's why one of the important things that they ship down for the uh, disaster relief is just pallets and pallets of fresh water. Uh, because uh, it typically anything that's in their water supplies have to lay sick with fever and dysentery. Uh, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be that great of a stretch to say maybe he had gotten some bad water in that. Remember when Paul, and this has been the license for the longest time for people to say, see, Paul, Paul says we can drink. But Paul tells Timothy, take a little wine with your water. And when you realize where Timothy might have been, and as we do studies on the seven churches in Asia, we realize that when it talks about Laodicea being having lukewarm water, that a lot of those were hot springs with minerals, and minerals weren't always good. If you've ever traveled out to Yellowstone, do you ever see the signs that tell you don't drink the water there? Why? Because, of, because it's bad for you. It's got chemicals in it. So Paul says, uh, you know, in order to help your, your stomach, because you might not be drinking good water. Uh, so let's see, where are we? Uh, and when they had, um, it happened, the father of Publius, and when it had taken place, the rest of the people of the island who came, uh, who had diseases also came and were cured. They honored us greatly. And then we were about to sail. They put on board whatever we needed. About th- after three months. So we know that this has taken at least three months and two weeks that they were sailing. Uh, in other places. So this, it's not a stretch to think that this probably took up to, up to five, maybe six months to make this journey, uh, this luxury cruise that Paul is on. Um, I guess we could call it a Mediterranean cruise. And, and it was free. You know, and and the, so Paul has written to the church at Rome and says, I want to stop here in Rome, but I, on the way, and I'm going to Spain, and uh, so an angel says, I've got it. Let's have him go to Rome on a Mediterranean cruise. I don't think that's what Paul had in mind. But he, he does say that he wants to ride. After three months, we set sail on a ship and we wintered in the island, uh, in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Uh, how many of you say Castor and Pollux? In there, okay. All minor says is their twin gods, but it has a note down there that says Castor and Pollux. <clears throat> uh, yes, twin. Did I say twin brothers? I'm going to say twin gods uh, as figurehead. Mike is twin. twin oh, they, maybe they're twin brothers then. Yeah, they're twin. They're twin gods, Castor and Pollux, uh, as a figurehead. Uh, putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there, and that's Syracuse over there, not Syracuse. Uh, here in, uh, I believe, New Jersey. We stayed there for three days, and from there, and as it, as it continues down, it, it just names one place after by himself with a soldier who guarded him. So very light, uh, light duty for this, uh, this soldier. Uh, they realize Paul is not a flight risk. Uh, after three, di- three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. When they gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or customs of our fathers, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. 
For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And Paul talks about this hope of Israel, which is the resurrection. Um, and then in verse 21, and they said, we've received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. So all of this that goes on about Paul and in the anticipation of him arriving, they said, we haven't heard anything about you, but we want to hear about this sect that's being talked about. Because uh, it's, being, it's being spoken against everywhere. And normally people want to hear about this. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him with his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince him about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Uh, why didn't Paul use some of his own writings that he wrote to like Ephesus and Laodicea? Or, uh, uh, yeah, he, he wrote to Laodicea, although we don't have it uh, preserved for us. Why didn't he write some or uh, use some arguments from there? What do you mean? His own, you read from his own letters, making arguments from that. What? Yeah, couldn't, right, maybe you couldn't see. I don't know. Yeah, could have been Paul. Yeah, they they would be completely unfamiliar with with Paul's writing. Maybe. Well, there's something in. What is that noise? <laughs> so, um, so he's convincing them from the, uh, from the law and from the prophets, the very same thing that Jesus did to his own disciples about the law and the prophets, but he also, uh, Jesus talked also from the Psalms. So he had been using this. And imagine from morning till evening that the people, and they no doubt had, had chairs that were much softer than this yeah, sure. for us. Uh, any questions? Somebody keeps ringing that bell. It, there must be a reason they're ringing it. 